Hey guys, this is Leopold. And this is Sydney. Welcome back to Quite Frankly. My parents have always talked about college, partly because that's where they met, but they also told me all about their friends and the crazy things they all got into. They still meet up with their friends every two years. I know them, I grew up with their kids. There was always an expectation that I would go to college and I always looked forward to it because I heard my parents' crazy UVA stories. What kind of crazy things? <laughs> my dad asked me not to tell. Oh well, that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, both of my parents kind of hated college. My mom dropped out of her first college and worked as a jazz singer for eight years before going to City College and becoming salutatorian. Humble brag. My dad went to college in the middle of nowhere and he just really didn't like that. Um, but they both went to college, as did their parents, so I always expected to go to college. It was just a given. Because of that, I don't think either of us can really wrap our heads around what it would mean to be a first-generation student, that your parents didn't go to college, so you're the first in your family having that experience. Yeah, 12% of Penn students are first generation. That's huge. More than one out of every 10 people you'll meet at Penn is the first in their family to go to college. They've had to navigate what is frankly a really challenging place without that kind of parental support that comes with familiarity. Yeah, and I rarely even thought about first generation students until Penn opened up the first generation low income center last month. After reading the coverage on the event, I wanted to do an episode on first gen students. I reached out to my friend Michaela for my education course to learn more about her experience. She's a freshman in the college studying English, and she has an awesome personality. I asked her how being a first-gen student has affected her first year at Penn. Um, I think it's n the not knowing what to expect. You know, um, a lot of other students were like, yeah, my sister did this, or like my mom did this, and it's hard, but I, I, I can get through it. And for me, it's like, I don't know if I can get through it. And um, other people talking about things like internships and talking about what they're trying to do over summer break, maybe studying abroad. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't know where to begin on those things. And the most stressful part about Penn is like, I need to figure these things out, but I don't have time to figure these things out because I'm too busy trying to get through one moment to the next. So I, I didn't have anyone to warn me of that. Uh -huh. Um, and then it's the lack of understanding when you talk to your folks. Yeah. And you can tell mm -hmm. your folks, I'm doing okay, but it's hard. Right. And they, they have like... no idea of how hard it is. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Things didn't go smoothly right away at Penn for Michaela, but she was lucky enough to find community through Maku, Du Bois, and some of her classes like Education in American Culture, the one we have together. But she still feels out of place sometimes. You, you and I have a class together, and I just want to talk about like something that I've run into, um, and like in, it's an insecurity of mine. I've never had a problem speaking my mind or talking in class until I got here, and it's just like you. Sometimes you sit back and you listen to how intelligent everyone else sounds, and then you think I would never be able to phrase anything that beautifully, or I'd never be able to think as critically. So you feel silenced in a sense. Like sometimes I'm terrified of speaking in class. In our class. In our class. And I know it's, I know it's a chill, relaxed, non-judgy class, but it's just like, 
I can't get over that. Wow, she sounds so smart. Wow, I wish I thought of that. So I just sit back and listen. And sometimes I tell myself, like, oh, it's fine. You're a freshman. You're learning. But then it's not fine because that's not who I am. Still, Michaela is happy to be at Penn. You can see various clubs around, and they're, like, talking about intersectionality. And, like, people are so open. It's, like, um, LGBTQ, you know. And it's just I'm coming from a pretty conservative place where I have not been exposed to um, a lot of these... uh, these opportunities to express these ideals. Does that make sense? Um, so it's so just it's like an awakening. It's an awakening and it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. The road to Penn was not easy for her though. I primarily lived with my mother. Um, before I was 10, it was a two-parent household, but it was it was complicated in the sense that sometimes my dad would live with us and then other times mm. um, he wouldn't live with us because there would be conflict between my mother and my father and she would be like, get out, you know? (laughs) So there's that aspect of it. Michaela said her mother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which made it hard to hold a job. Her father struggled with employment as well. One day I would go to school, she would work somewhere, I'd come home and she'd be like, oh, I had to quit. Like me and the boss just didn't get along. So there was that instability. Um, There was the moving around a lot. It was constant arguing. And for me, school was the escape from that. A lot of people talk about how much they hated school, and I I couldn't relate because school was my my sanity. School was where everything felt like it was in my control. So if I wanted to pick up a book, like, I made that decision to do that. I made the decision to open the book and, like, escape from my reality. Um, so that kind of shaped where I went academically. Um, so pretty soon, teachers were talking to me and saying, like, hey, we know you're in first grade, but, like, you read a lot and you're good at it. So take second grade reading yeah. classes, you know? And these were opportunities that other students didn't have. Um, So I'm really lucky in the sense that someone noticed my potential at that point. Soon Michaela was placed into the GO Center, a program for high-achieving students in her elementary school. The program sent its students on special field trips and hosted guest lectures that students outside the program did not attend. But even though her school situation changed and she was given more attention, she started to realize that almost everyone in the program was white and that there were serious differences in privilege between her and her new classmates. I felt isolated. It was the first time in my life where I kind of realized, whoa, people live way differently than I do. Before that, um, I I knew I liked school, but I also didn't have anything to compare what my life, you know, I didn't have anything to compare my home life to. So me being a first, like, well, at this time, just being a low-income student, it didn't phase me because it was what I had been exposed to. And now I'm seeing students, everyone's got Bear Bradley lunchboxes. Everyone's like, oh yeah, this summer we're going to Spain. <laughs> and I'm just like so confused. And then um, people are inviting me to sleepovers and I'm seeing massive, you know, humongous houses. And I'm seeing what appears to be like stable family units. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And that added to my isolation in that sense. Did you feel you were stigmatized for being in the Go Center by students who weren't? Yes. Um, I had, before that, I had like five really great friends. And I just thought we were always going to be friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like once I get into the Go Center, people 
don't want to be my friend anymore. And I'm hearing, well, people think that you think you're better than we are. Um, or people think you, you know, everyone has heard the derogatory term in Oreo. Like that's, that, excuse me if that's um, like <laughs> something I can't say. No, but um, that's what I was labeled as. And um, as a, a third grader, like that hurts. That hurts. Um, and it kind of made me at that time turn away from the people I used to be friends with. And I was like, okay, well, if you're going to label me as this, I'm just going to talk to the people I'm around. You know, I'm not going to even try to reach out to be your friends anymore because that's unfair. She felt isolated at school and she felt that she didn't have a lot of the resources that people can take for granted. For someone like whose parents didn't go to college, like you had to kind of grow up quicker in mm -hmm. some ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's like I couldn't talk to my parents about it because they didn't really understand, you know? And one of the biggest things I noticed that made me feel bad um, at the time, if we were doing multiplication or division, people were like, oh yeah, I just asked my dad and he helped me. And I couldn't ask my dad, you know? So if I came to class and I didn't understand something, it was just like, well, why didn't you get the help that you needed at home? Mm-hmm, right. I didn't have that resource, you know? And I didn't want to explain that because at the time I felt like that isn't, a, it shouldn't be a factor, mm -hmm. but of course it is. Despite all of this, Michaela kept getting A's in her classes. So in high school, she was placed in advanced classes yet again, but as she grew into adolescence, she really started to notice differences in how students were treated. I could go into the hallway and I could see people getting written up for certain things that other students wouldn't be getting, getting written up for. You know, like, oh, you're too loud. Let me write you a um, pass to go to ISS. But you can hear girls, like, screaming, like, oh, my God. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, what's the difference? <laughs> like, stop, please. <laughs> She started trying to interact with students at her school outside of her advanced track. She made friends through electives and at lunch. So things were going better socially, but as she came to closer to the end of high school, Michaela felt like she was under an intense amount of pressure, largely due to the situation at home. My mom and I started to have differences um, in the sense like I became more openly critical of like, mom, my life has not been fair. Right. You know, you, you... I expressed like, I don't think I had a childhood really in that sense. Um, and that was kind of like a hurtful thing. It was, it was a hurtful thing to say. I also don't regret saying it, right. um, but it just made our relationship more tense, um, which is hard. And, and during high school, was she saying like, you're going to go to college after this? Um, so she believed I could go to college, you know, she was just like, if you're getting, a, if you can get a scholarship, like you're going to go to college, yeah. but if you don't, like, I don't know what to do, you know? So it was definitely that pressure. And that's when grades became super unhealthy for me. Cause it was like, okay, <laughs> if I don't get all A's, I'm not, I'm not going to go to college or I'm going to have to go to like community college. And it's just like, I need this scholarship. I need this scholarship. Michaela had to start doing it on her own, making sure that the resources available to her would actually come through and let her go to college. Her story is wild. I mean, from elementary school through college, she was in charge of her own education. I don't know where I would be without my parents setting things up for me every step of the way. 
When I applied to college, my mom helped me edit every word of every essay. Michaela had to do it all on her own. I was, I reached out. Like, um, a lot of students don't know the resources available to them. So I was like, okay, school ends at 2.30. I will wait 45 minutes outside of the guidance office so someone can talk to me, you know? And other people, after like 15 minutes, they were like, oh, she wasn't there. So I just, I'll have to deal with it later. And I was like, no, I'm going to deal with this right now. I'm going to figure it out. After all of this, Michaela was accepted to Penn. And thanks to QuestBridge, a nonprofit program that links high-achieving, low-income students with educational and scholarship opportunities, it was all paid for. It was December 1st, and I was actually like producing a mystery CG pageant for my school. Um, basically, it's like a male pageant, and it's funny, mm -hmm. and we're just fundraising for stuff. Um, and I was like, I need to take a break, guys. They just released the stuff, and everyone's like, uh, Michaela, we're working here. And I was like, wait, just give me some time. And they just hear me screaming, like, oh my goodness. Everything worked out, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know how to convey the way that I felt in this moment, but it was just so much stress was just melting off of me in that moment. That's great. Like, I don't know, it's like, it was a Cinderella moment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Even though she felt like the stress was over, it didn't stop when Michaela got to Penn, as we heard earlier. This is the case for many first-generation students, like Jenny Liu, a senior in the college studying PPE. She's also the roommate of Joyce, our producer. Her story is pretty different from Michaela's. So my parents came from China 22 years ago. Um, my dad came first, and my mom stayed back in China with my brother for a couple of years. And then my dad just sort of was doing odd and end, like, physical labor jobs and, like, work living in Chinatown. And then when he had enough money, my mom came over. Um, and right now they sort of just, uh, my dad does, like, physical labor work still. He's a blue-collar worker, and my mom's a stay-at-home mom. She grew up in Monterey Park, California, which is near L.A., she said her neighborhood was mostly Chinese and Mexican immigrants. Some of her friends' parents went to college, and some of them didn't. My parents knew nothing about what I did at school because they don't know what the like American educational system is like. So I basically, you know, whenever I have forms to sign or whenever I have to have parents to come to something, I just like tell them what to do, and they do it, and they trust me because it, I've, historically <laughs> I've been good at like making sure I just get my stuff in and stuff done. She, like Michaela, applied to college primarily without the help of her parents. She had an AP English teacher who helped with essays, and she only applied to five colleges because she applied to Penn Early Decision. She said it was stressful looking back, but describes it as pretty standard. One thing that wasn't necessarily standard was how involved she was in her family's finances. You know, going into Penn, I did all the financial aid stuff myself, so I looked at our tax, oh. I, I like our tax stuff, and like, like, I don't like being in the middle of the night. Like, like, it's just not gonna, like, there's no way we have enough saved that my parents can live, like, comfortably through retirement, you know? So, yeah. Okay. 
So you did, like, all of your own forms and everything? Yeah. I thought everyone did that. And then, like, I came, and I was like, what? No, I didn't do any forms. (laughs) Finances had always been an issue that Jenny was thinking about. Her parents would fight about money, which she overheard. It wasn't all the time. But, like, you know, as a child, these things stick with you. I can't remember the frequency, like, now, but I do remember, like, particularly, like, bad episodes or something, and it's just, like, they'd fight, they would yell about it, and then, you know, you would feel the chemistry between them change, and it's, like... What do you mean? Like, they wouldn't, like, not talk as much to each other. You know, like, just when parents fight, they, like, get, like, you know, like, salty to each other, and they don't talk to each other for a bit, and, like, you know, you just, you, like, it's not hard to distinguish... Yeah, like I like I realized these tensions. And I knew that finance was the reason for it. So, since I was like very young, I knew like that must be an issue. So it was very like impressed on me that I would, me and my brother would have to be the ones to fix it. Jenny brought this pressure with her to Penn. I came to Penn thinking like, I'm gonna go here. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna graduate. I'm gonna make so much money, and <laughs> and then I'm gonna be able to like provide for my parents. You know, I'm because um, since my dad was working like a blue collar job and my mom wasn't working, it's like eventually they're gonna start relying on me and my brother. Um, so that was always in the back of my head. And then freshman year when I took my first test, it was like math 104, and got like a D, and I was like, what? Oh my god. And, like, everyone has that experience. At least, like, you know, like, most people have that experience. And I was like, oh, my God, like, like this is happening. Like, I'm not going to – I thought I was going to fail the class. I, like, didn't realize how great curves were. And it was, like, the first time I, like, started, like, crying after taking a test because I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not going to be able to get a great job and I'm not going to be able to make money, and then I'm not going to be able to, like, provide for my parents. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's, like, a thing. Like, that's going to happen to me. And then um, from, that was a very, like, difficult thing I had to do freshman year because I started feeling very guilty about my situation. Um, I took a lot of, like, intro classes, and those are, like, always very hard because, you know, how they're, like, the, like, weed-out classes or whatever, and I think, um, um, I think that was very, like, difficult because eventually, like, um, I went, like, you know, like, classic procrastination cycle, like, I wouldn't want to, like, study anymore, and I'd get really, like, anxious, and then I'd feel really guilty because, because I had to I had to do well because I had to be able to provide for my family. She isn't the only student to struggle with the adjustment to college, but clearly this feeling that she needed to provide for her parents made any shortcomings feel unacceptable. I became like very anxious freshman year. Like I would start like having like random like panic attacks. Like I would just like go to the bathroom like very, very like randomly and like just go and, like, cry for, like, ten minutes. Then I'd be like, oh, whew, okay, that's over. And then I'd come out, and then I'd, like, not cry, and then I'd, like, study. And then I think it, I was also, um, 
like, sad because of my whole, like, introversion. Because, um, you know, in high school, like, I had friends, but that's because you're, like, with each other five days of the week for seven hours of the day, so it's, like, you gotta have friends. <laughs> but <laughs> in like, college, it's, like, not the case. So I, like, didn't have as many friends as I did in high school, so I also had, like, the, um, the like, like, oh, my God, like... Where are my friends? <laughs> so freshman year was just very tough in that respect. She went to CAPS, but was feeling so anxious that she felt like she should be studying instead of spending time in therapy. Not surprisingly, that only made things worse. I think it came to, like, a precipice sophomore year. She had two midterms and an essay and was really stressed out. And whenever she studied, she felt anxious and thoughts of how she needed to get a good grade, get a good job, and give back to her parents kept running through her head. On top of everything, her parents came to visit her. When they visited me, like, I really want to tell them, but... And this was... I was at, like... I was at Hubbub, like... I was surrounded by people, and I was just like... Like, ah, oh, like, school's really hard right now. And then I've never said that to them before, you know? So they, they were, like, very shocked. They were like, what? Like, how's it hard? And I was just like, everyone's so smart here. <laughs> like, like, it's, like, very hard to, like, keep up. And they're like, oh my gosh, like don't worry, just, like, chill, and I was, like, I can't, and they were, like, don't worry, just, like, eat and, like, sleep enough, you know, for your health, and I was, like, I can't, and they were, like, why can't you, and then I was, like, like, I, like, have to get a good job, you know, and then it was, like, very hard to say that because I was, it was, like, the first time I, like, admitted it to myself that, like, that's, like, the reason why I was, like, so anxious, I was, like, oh, my God, like, like, this is for you guys, you know, like, I have to do really well, and then they were, like, they, like, started laughing, which was, like, not the reaction I thought, they'd be, like, they were, like, Jenny, like, we've been in America for, like, 20 years, like, we're fine, <laughs> we'll get by, like, don't worry, you know, and then it was, like, so, like, I was feeling, like, I was feeling, like, some type of way. I was, like, why are you guys laughing? Like, <laughs> I've been, like, like in my head, you know? Like, I didn't say this out loud, but I was, like, why are you guys laughing? Like, I was literally so, like, stressed for a year. Like, this is, like, very confusing for me. <laughs> and then, so I, like, had to, like, excuse myself. I went, and I, I cried a lot. So <laughs> I went to the bathroom, and then, like, cried for another 10 minutes. Because <laughs> I was, like, I was, like, and it was really, it's a kind of difficult to explain even now, but in my head I was like, they almost like invalidated these feelings that I was feeling for a year, but in a, in a way I felt like such great relief that they like said those things because it was the first time I addressed those like issues concretely and it was the first time that they, that they told me to just like relax and that they would be okay. And it was like a weird mix of emotions because that was the impetus of my motivations for, like, all of freshman year and what gave me, like, a lot of grief and to have them so casually dismiss it, it was, like, it was, it was both great and confusing at the same time. Talking to her parents about what was going on was clearly a major breakthrough for Jenny. She started to communicate more with her inner circle of friends. You know, I think, like, sharing experiences with your close friends, very private, like, emotional experiences for you, like, that's how you develop really good friendships, you know? Um, as Bojack Horseman once said, <laughs> in this like terrifying world, all we have are the connections we make. The work didn't get easier, but she no longer had the same level of anxiety since studying wasn't linked directly to providing for her parents. 
Now she has a job at Nielsen lined up after she graduates. Things are better. These are two experiences. They do not represent every first-generation student, all 1,200 at Penn. But there are commonalities among these students, and the unique challenges they face are finally being acknowledged by the Penn administration. The creation of a first-generation low-income center at Penn, for instance, is a first step towards making our campus a more welcoming place. Greater visibility will only lead to more support and acknowledgement of the specific experiences these students have. This episode was produced by Joyce Varma and edited and hosted by Sydney Shadell and me, Leopold Spongeller. Our music was composed by Andrew Ellis. Quite frankly, is presented by The Daily Pennsylvanian. If you're interested in joining our team or just want to shoot us a comment, email us at podcasts at thedp.com. Thanks for joining us and look out for our next episode in two to three weeks.